the people that we align ourselves with greatly determine whether we win or lose in life. The people that you're in relationship with right now greatly determine whether you fail or succeed, whether you fulfill God's purpose for your life or not. Let me say it to you this way. There are God-assigned connections in your life right now. And once you realize how vital these relationships are, you'll begin to identify some people as assets and others as a liability to God's purpose in your life. So my talk today is a question, who's in your space? Who's in your space? I'm going to allow you to remain seated because I'm going to read this quickly. There's four verses of what the Bible says about relationships. Proverbs 14 says, stay away from a foolish man. Good advice. <laughs> Proverbs 13:20, he who walks with the wise becomes even wiser, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Paul said it this way in the New Testament. <laughs> Parents, you probably said this to your kids. If you hadn't, you probably should have. Bad company corrupts good character. And then back to Proverbs again, a great verse of Scripture that simply teaches us that as iron sharpens iron. So in order, and Pastor Nate talked about this at our men's breakfast a few weeks ago, it takes iron to sharpen iron on an axe. It takes toughness. It takes someone to be rigid and honest and straightforward. Iron, but it sharpens you. It doesn't, does it dull you. It sharpens you. Iron sharpens iron. So as one man sharpens another, you need the right people in your life. Now here's some more wisdom that's not in the Bible, but it makes a lot of sense. I heard this two weeks ago, it made a lot of sense. Here's a statement for you. Never wrestle in the mud with a pig. You both will get filthy, and he likes it. I told this to someone yesterday. I said, best thing for you to do is keep your mouth closed, because sometimes all people want to do is pull out of you a spark. They want to set you off. And so you got to know the triggers, and if you wrestle in the mud, they're going to like it. It's best for you just to smile and keep your mouth shut. I appreciate that golf clap. Y'all are really into it this morning. Every relationship that you have right now is important. Right relationships help us reach our full potential, and find a life of fulfillment, right relationships. So, so it is mission critical that we understand how to manage our relationships. It's mission critical that we know who is in what space and how to set those boundaries both for us and them, more so for us, to be clear about where that relationship needs to be in your life. So let me say it this way, the more accurately that you define the role of the people that God is bringing into your life, the greater the potential for your relationship to be. I'm going to say that again. The more you define the role 
And the more accurately you can do that, of the people God's bringing into your life, define who they are, why they're there, what they contribute, and what they take from you. We all need relationships. And relationship is not just give and receive. Relationship is an exchange. But you need to define how that's going to play out in your life and not just be an open, accessible book to everybody because they'll sap you dry. And it doesn't make people bad people. It's you not knowing when to say, stop, check, caution, turn signal. You gotta accurately define the role of the people God's bringing into your life so that you can fulfill the purpose that he has for you and understand the greater potential that that relationship can have in your life. Some people just have a difficult time understanding why they cannot be best buddies with a superior at work or, or a professor at school or, or maybe even your pastor. You're like, like I, I just wanna be best buddies and you wonder why can that not happen? Well, let me explain it to you this way. Very important concept for you in principle. For a leader to be most effective in your life and remain the leader, you must avoid becoming too familiar with them. Because when you get too familiar with people, you see the blemishes in their armor and it can blur the line of distinction between the teacher and the student and often it minimizes their influence in your life let me say it another way it is difficult for most people to see a leader's humanity and still view them as a godsend and a leader and receive from their wisdom and instruction. You have to know that we are all human. You also have to know that people are anointed and people have specific gifts and people have specific callings. It is biblical so we need pastors and teachers and leaders. Just because you're a father doesn't make you perfect, but the role of fatherhood gives you authority and you can't become best buddies with your children when you're raising them. You can't just be their best friend. They need you to be their father. And they're going they're going to see the blemishes in your armor more than anybody because they usually live in the same household with you. But it doesn't remove the responsibility on both parts. And as a parent to a child, it's your part to set the boundaries. As adults, we have to learn to do this with the people that God is bringing into our life to know where they fit in our world and why God has placed them there. So it's, it's mission critical to understand how to manage our relationships and accurately define the role of the people God's bringing into your life. You say, why? <laughs> so, so let me, thank you, Holy Spirit. David was walking along the path and his armor bearer, his king, uh, uh, sorry, captain of his army was right next to him, and up on the hill was an enemy who was railing on David. I mean, he was, he was giving him heck. And the captain of the army said, can we go take him out? And David said, no, leave him alone. Peradventure the Lord sent him just to test me to see what I'm made of. So just because a relationship is a test, just felt impressed to share this here, just because there's a, a test or a challenge in some of your relationships, it doesn't mean that you abandon that. It might mean that's there to help you grow. 
There's some irritations in your life that can become a pearl if you let it manage it correctly and properly. You could take the challenge that you're facing and make it better and make you better. So what I want to do the next few minutes this morning is explain what it means to manage our relationships and then help us identify who is in what space in our life. So the team's got a bullseye that we're going to put up on the screen, and I want you to imagine it's got six concentric circles. And so for your sake, and my, imagine you in the center, and these different circles represent different levels of relationships in your life. Every relationship you have, every relationship you have occupies a space around you. Now, if you want to use Jesus as an example, I think this is a great parallel for us. Jesus had many different relationships with many different people, and they were on various spaces in his life. So, for sake of Scripture, the outer circle farthest away from Jesus was this multitude, the crowd of people. Everywhere Jesus went, crowds gathered. So, so Jesus had people that were in a space, but they were out on the outer circle. And he taught them, and he loved them, and he cared for them, and he, he tried to help people. That was what Jesus came to do. And so wherever crowds went, wherever Jesus went, crowds gathered. But then if you read Scripture, you know that when he got ready to ascend after his resurrection... There's a number given. The Bible records 500 people that were there at a different moment of of sacredness or relational capacity. They watched Jesus ascend. So you have this crowd, but then the next level I see 500 people. That, That was a number. And then there's another number. The Bible says Jesus taught missionaries, his followers, his disciples, and he sent them out. There were 70 of them. He sent them out to preach and teach. Okay, they had a a different relationship with Jesus. You following with me so far? Of course, most common to most of us would be the the next circle in was Jesus' 12 disciples, 12 people that knew him well, 12 people that he spent hours and days and weeks with, very close to Jesus, conversations and time together, watching him do what he did, seeing behind the scenes, seeing things that the crowd never had a chance to be a part of, and maybe the 500 never ventured into, but the 12 were there, they slept, they ate, they, they spent time together praying and ministering and doing life together. But, but then there was a group out of the 12 called the three, Peter, James, and John. So you see how the closer to Jesus, that space was different. Not only did he have the 12, but there were three of the 12 that he drew in a little closer to him. He had a, he had a relationship then that was special. It was spatial. It was a space that they had the privilege of living in and working in because they knew how they could understand Jesus trusted them at a level differently than the 70 or the 500 and specifically the crowd, because the closer people get to you, there has to be a higher trust factor because there's more vulnerability. The Bible also is clear that inside of the three, there was one other disciple who was John, and he occupied a place closest to Jesus. Jesus called him John the Beloved. And then, of course, Jesus reserved this inner space for himself. You you need a space just for you that nobody else can come into. There's some space I have for me and God that sometimes Janet is not even in that space because she can't feed what only God can feed. And I can't go to her to fill that need that only God can give me, there's a bit of space that I have to have with God to know it's going to be okay. Now, we are one, and if you're married, you become one flesh 
So we don't do anything separately. And oftentimes when God speaks to me in that moment when it's just my space, then I share that with her because she can hold me accountable and she can also help me, remind me of what God said when I need to be reminded. So these spaces are important. And and here's why they're important. People can only occupy a space closest to you based on their level of maturity. I can't stress how important this is. Jesus reserved his inner circles for those he could interact with on a level that they could understand and still see him as their leader and as Messiah, as Son of God. Now it's interesting, if I could deflect for a moment, that the Bible often refers to John as the disciple whom Jesus loved, and he even placed John in that inner circle, that John is the one he looked at and said, your mother, this is your mom, this is your son. John had a space nobody else had. But here's the interesting fact that, that, has, that puzzles me, and uh, when I read in Scripture, it may be there, but I haven't found in the Bible where it ever says that John loved Jesus. When Judas' betrayal of Jesus took place in the Garden of Gethsemane, all of them looked to John, but it was Peter who drew the sword. On the cross, Jesus looks at John to take care of his mother, as I said, but it was Peter who had been walking in the shadows all night long. When, when it came time for Jesus to give the mantle and the, the calling, he, he was saying, feed my sheep. He, he gave it to Peter and not to John. Here's my point. I find it interesting that perhaps we sometimes can have preferences towards particular relationships that are not reciprocated in the same level as we've given it. Therefore, proper boundaries must be defined for the relationship to function in a healthy way. There's a lot going on here right now. I hope you're reading between the lines and God's speaking to you. I'm giving you bullet points and letting the Holy Spirit fill in the blanks. Because some of you are putting names with these statements I'm making right now. You got it going. It's like, oh, that's what he's talking about. Now, with that in mind, I want us to look at four truths that I've learned about relationships and why it's mission critical. We manage carefully who's in our space. Okay, four things. You've got to write these down. Take a picture if they're on the screen. The first truth is you are connected and you are influenced by the people in your space. You are connected and influenced by the people in your space. And there are both advantages and disadvantages to being co- connected to certain people, right? Now, it is a true fact. Stop for a minute and think about this. If you apply this, I don't get too wrapped up and miss what I'm saying today, but write this note down and go do this later. You're only, this is a fact, you're only three, maybe four relationships away from almost any singular person on planet Earth. They say, I don't even know those people. No, what, what that means is, and, and I've done the study time and again, and it's just so true. You know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows that person. Almost every single time, the earth is not so big. You're only three or four relationships away from knowing anybody on the planet. And so it's important that we manage these relationships. There are advantages and disadvantages. In other words, when two or more people are connected, they become yoked together. So if you see two oxen or two mules or two horses pulling a wagon or we don't see that much anymore, our horsepower is under the hood or now in a battery. I heard they're making battery cars with 
exhaust sounds in them. How stupid is that? You're going to drive a golf cart and want it to sound like a dragster. I don't understand. Wee, wee. Okay. Anyway, just, I'm a car guy, so I like the smell of exhaust. Not too much. It makes you really sleepy. Here's what I'm saying. When you're connected, you're yoked together with people, which requires a certain cadence and rhythm. You you can't walk with somebody in yoke in, in, in this connection and be out of space and out of cadence. Uh, you, it just doesn't work. You, that's why teams are so important. The word team is a team of horses. They learn how to stride together. They, they get in a cadence where, they're, where one's not pulling and the others are slacking, and then it wears one of them out. You, they, they figure out how to do that as a team. So it calls for, it calls for some, some time and some planning and some attention and some intentionality. It, it also tells you that if you're going to be connected, that, that God calls us to help and support each other. You don't do life alone. Life's not meant to be by yourself. Two are better than one, and a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. That's Scripture. So if, if one of you's feeling weak, the other one must compensate and work harder, actually supporting and carrying and pulling for both of you, which, which is good, but it's also challenging. And there has to come a time in your life when you're yoked with certain people that you need to know what distance there needs to be because you're going to need a breather. And they're going to need to know how to stand on their own. So since you're yoked to those in your space, you carry their burdens and their baggage. Now you've heard this in our talks already these past few weeks that every relationship requires deposits to be made. Deposits of time, deposits of energy, of words, of thoughts, of emotions, before any withdrawals can be made. You've got to make these deposits. Now, some of us go into these relationships, and we're like, man, I want to be a friend of that person. And you automatically start trying to draw, and it won't work. And you wonder why a few weeks or months go by, and it's cold, the relationship's not, you, it, it's not working. Because you've got to make an investment first. I have some great leaders in my life. One mentor that mentored me at a distance. This has been many years ago, and he's still a friend of mine today. And we could talk, and we'll text, and we'll call. We've spent time together, and I meant, but I know his nature and his character, and I know mine, and I know there's some things he can't give me. But I also know that there's some things I can learn from him and I have to realize when I'm the student and when he's the teacher. And then I have to realize when we're buddies or friends, when we can sit and have coffee together. But you gotta know how to do that if you're gonna move into those inner circles with people and you learn to get the best from them, the people that you get closest to, they become more vulnerable because you see their, their armor. You see the indentions in their armor. You see the flaws in their life. And you have to know how to realize that God's put them there for a reason. And don't mess up why they're there or how they're there. So you can continue to be, let God use them to direct you and give wisdom to you. Because we're still all human. So all relationships are a give and take, right? But they're usually more give than take. Am I right? Okay, am I right? So the first thing is, we're connected and influenced by the people in our space. Here's the second thing I've learned. Be ever so careful to avoid putting people in spaces they're not equipped to fill. Now, I know this can get really uneasy and, um, and uncomfortable. It's not meant to be that way. It's just meant to be clear, okay? We need to have clarity there's some things that I knew when I started pastoring, for example. There's some things I knew that in my personal makeup that I could give, 
One of those is what I'm doing here today. I knew the gift of teaching and illustration was a part of my nature. I'm not a deep theologian, but I am a Bible teacher, and I know how to make it practical. I've learned, and God has used me to tell stories and to be able to to share things that people walk away with and like, okay, I can do that on Monday. And I'm like, yes. I I did a teaching a couple of years ago from this stage on the book of Daniel, and one of our fathers, our men, came to a few weeks later. He said, my 12-year-old was in church that day, and I was like, man, this is heavy stuff. And after church, he got in the car and he said, man, pa- that, that, that was great. Pastor Danny was saying this. And I was like, yes, a 12-year-old got the book of Daniel from me. That works. But you've got to know where to put people. So where you place certain people and the access you give them greatly determines how they're going to affect your life. And managing these spaces is vital to knowing who's in the right space. So this may include your parents, if you're an adult. So Janet and I now are empty nesters, have been a long time. We don't have kids anymore. (laughs) We don't have kids anymore. But we do have kids. Our two sons turned into four adult children. They're our children who turned into eight grandchildren, and God knows where that's going to (laughs) go. But you got to know where to put your parents in your relationship with your spouse. It could be your in-laws or or outlaws. You got to know. Are you staying with me? It could be a co-worker. It could even be your children. So so let me be clear. Get one person in the wrong space and you're setting yourself up for disappointment and you're setting them up for failure. One example is allow a woman at work to get into the space that should be reserved only for your wife and you've messed up. Or expect someone else to make you complete? They, they complete me. And you fail to see yourself as a whole person? Now you've become codependent, expecting others to fulfill and complete your life. Be careful to avoid putting people in a space they aren't capable to fill. Which leads me to my third one. This is a truth I've learned about relationships. Most disappointments and relationship failures are the result of unmet expectations. We talked about this a couple of weekends ago, Pastor Nate, and we talked about it during our Saturday XO event. I got to tell you that this is so critical in every relationship, knowing what the unmet expectations are. Matthew 13, Jesus describes four types of soil, stony, thorny, wayside, and good ground. What Jesus is saying is that different people have different capabilities and different capacities. If you read Matthew 25, it's a very clear picture where Jesus taught this principle when he gave one man five talents, another man two talents, and another one one. Why? Verse 15 gives you clarity as to why he gave them different amounts. It says, according to their ability. In other words, we often put people into spaces expecting something they aren't capable of giving or they're not willing to give it. So it's important to take responsibility for our lack of recognizing their abilities and their limitations. You can't expect certain performances from some people. Some of you are challenged in your marriage because you're expecting something from the person you're yoked to that they don't have within them to give you. This is why, 
I just have to make sure you're awake. This is why, listen to me, this is why premarital coaching is so important. You love them, but love won't make them something that they're not. And some of you are going into this relationship with with expectations that are not going to be met because there wasn't a conversation. There wasn't a time to, to delve into that. You think it's all love and it feels good and they smell great and woo, this is God love holding his hand and her hand and man, I listen. Let me tell you, it ain't always going to be like that. There's going to be a time she's going to be laying over the side of the bed with a trash can throwing up. There's going to be a time when the kids keep both of you up all night and you're wore out and you're irritable and they're not going to smell so good and you're like, I wish the grandparents would just come get these kids. <laughs> now this same principle applies to our coworkers. It applies to roommates. Listen, Janet and I own some rental property. That's kind of what we do to invest. And I got to tell you, the turnover at student time is incredibly amazing. It costs everybody money. God bless you students. You get three or four of them living together, and after about six months, they can't wait for the lease to end so they can move in with somebody else. Didn't mean to go there, but sometimes you get to living with somebody, and you're like, I just don't like the way they live. But, but when you get married... And you take a vow and you make a covenant before God, they're it. I think Pastor Nate said it most clearly. You know what dating and breaking up and dating and breaking up and dating and breaking up is? Let me repeat it to you it's practicing divorce. Well, I didn't like that. It's like, y'all don't have to be so quiet. I know I'm doing a good job up here, but y'all don't have to. I know you're listening really hard. <laughs> All I'm saying to you is you've you got to be careful because we have unmet expectations. And this premarital coaching and knowing what you're getting into, most relationship failures are the result of those unmet expectations. And so it's very important. Most unmet expectations are assumptions that were never part of a conversation that should have been had. Okay? All right, here's the last one. And probably the most important about relationships. Things I've learned. Be careful to not disconnect from those God has connected you with. It is critical for you to recognize the God-assigned connections God assigned connections in your life and treat them with the honor, respect, and care that is needed for the relationship to thrive and fulfill God's ultimate purpose for the relationship. Let me say it this way. If you have three close friends that know you best, and that you are investing, making deposits into them and them into you, if you have three, you are a busy, busy person. Many are not fortunate to have three. Oh, there's three or four people. I, I hope you know six people, because you're going to need them at some point in your life to pick up that box and carry you. You're going to need six people. <laughs> But it's like it's a slow revelation, like, oh, six, oh, oh, six. <laughs> who's, who's your six? <laughs> but if, if you've got two or three people you trust, and they have the right to come to you and confront you without you being offended at them, I didn't say you don't get embarrassed and frustrated, but you got, you got to have two or three people that have the right to ask you anything they want to ask you, and you have that kind of trust level. Are you listening to me? 
And the sad part about our society is people just cancel you or they say, well, we don't agree, so you're out of here. It, this is what's wrong with some of the core values of our, of our society right now, and it's eroding away at foundational truths that are not your truth or my truth. It's just the truth, and you've got to know the absolutes in life, and you've got to have somebody that can stand beside you and have the same values and say, that's wrong or that's right, or yay, go, good for you, or hey, stop that. You're being stupid. I'm not trying to be cute. I'm trying to be honest. So the last point is you've got to be careful to not disconnect from the people God has connected you with. If anything COVID taught us is you don't always know who you can trust. And COVID bred in us, pardon me if you think this is political, I'm just going to speak human from humanity's perspective. Putting masks on, I'm not saying it wasn't healthy or is healthy or not healthy. I don't care. I'm just saying putting masks on, hiding ourselves, and staying at home and never seeing anybody and never connecting is nothing more than deteriorating and eroding the foundation of humanity because we human people are not designed to live that way. And COVID was just was just used by the enemy. It was a disease. I don't know where it came from. I'm not trying to be political. I don't know how all that starts. That's not for me to argue today. What I'm just here to tell you is you can't hide. You can't separate. You can, you've got to stay connected to the people God has assigned you with. Come hell or high water, you need to value that. And some of us found out who we could trust and who we couldn't trust. But now you need to get back to the business of trusting somebody. You can't live without trusting somebody. The devil is a divider. God is a uniter. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus comes to give you life to the full. You've got to realize whose side we're on and not let the devil play his cards and keep you isolated. You think she, she doesn't trust you and she wants a divorce. What the devil's trying to do is get you to keep from trusting anybody, especially God. So in John chapter 6, the prodigal son disconnected from a vital relationship with his father, completely underestimating the effect it would have in his life long term. The prodigal son allowed his own, hear me, he allowed his own discontent to move him out of the place he belonged. And let me say this to you as I land this message today. Discontent is never reason enough to disconnect from a God-assigned relationship that he has put in your life. And there are people, there are people all over the world today with regrets because they made the mistake of disconnecting from a God-assigned relationship which almost always, always results in a loss, a loss that usually is never fully recovered. It was only when the prodigal son was at the bottom and found himself as a Jew in a pig pen did he realize his mistake. And here's what I've discovered. People who are unwilling to reconnect with their God-assigned connections rarely get out of their pig pen. Why? Because pride usually won't let us. We're too, we're too prideful to say I'm sorry. We're too prideful to apologize. We're too pri Y'all still here? We're too prideful. <laughs> Amen. Some people assume they can abandon a God-assigned relationship without it affecting their destiny, but you cannot. I'll close with this thought, and you may not have ever read the book of Ruth, but you should. It's in the Old Testament. It's a small book, but it's a powerful, huge story. And here's the summation of this story because it lands my thoughts today. Ruth, in the Old Testament, had now become a widow, and she would not let her mother-in-law, Naomi, out of her sight. 
And the scripture says she even told her, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Wherever you live, I'm going to live. Your people are going to be my people. Your God, my God. Wherever you die, I'm going to die. And then she makes a vow and she said, may the worst punishment from the Lord come upon me if I let anything but death separate you and me. Now this is a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law and that was the commitment because Ruth knew that Naomi was a God-assigned connection. Now here's the story. Listen to me. Ruth was a Moabite woman. The Moabites were the descendants of Lot having incest with his daughters and the Moabites and the Ammonites are the children born out of that incestual relationship and God cursed them. But Naomi and her husband had traveled because of a famine to the land of Moab to find food. They found daughter-in-laws for their sons. All the men died. Naomi's going back home and Ruth says, I'm going with you. She's a Moabite in a cursed land who had no future. And here's Naomi, a woman of God. And Ruth says, God, God connected us and I ain't leaving you. And if, if you follow the story, here's the beauty of the story. Ruth goes with Naomi and she ends up going to the land of promise, which is God's land, found God's people, and because she wouldn't disconnect from that one right relationship, she found what's called her kinsman redeemer. So in those days, if you died, the next relative in line, if they were capable, they would take you in and take care of you and your children. That was their social security system. That was their, their way of taking care of their descendants and their family. And because she stayed connected with that one relationship, she got to go to the right place. She got to meet the right man. One day, one day Ruth was gleaning in the field after the harvest, and the next day she was mama in the house and owned the field. And then here's the most powerful part. Out of the lineage and birth of Ruth, a cursed woman who connected to the right person, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, came through the lineage of Ruth that would have never happened had she been stuck in Moab and not stayed connected to her God-assigned relationship. It would have never happened. It would have never happened. What I'm trying to tell you is there are people all over the world today with regrets about the loss in their life. When we disconnect from God-assigned connections, there are people we won't meet because God won't let it happen because you've got to be a covenant keeper mm. so she met the right man went to the right place so I want to pray for you today pray for your relationships I want to pray God will bring clarity as to who's an asset and who's a liability now here's, here's the tough part of all this. Some of your liabilities are your parents or your children. I know this gets close to home, but listen. I think Pastor Jared Green said it a while ago. We, we don't get to choose the family we're born into. <laughs> and there's a lot of families that just get jacked up. There's a lot of brokenness. And so some of the liabilities have the same blood running in our veins. So you got to know, though, how to honor your father and mother, which is a commandment, and yet keep them in the right space. Is this okay? So my dad, October the 5th, my dad passed a year ago, October 5th. Hero of my life businessman, pastor, father, husband, great man, a man of men. He taught me so many things. As I became an adult, I got older, I didn't always agree with him. That's a shock, right? You don't always agree. 
I'm certain Pastor Nathan doesn't always agree with me. And I know Pastor Jared doesn't always agree with me. Where is he at? <laughs> I'm just messing with y'all. I'm blessed. I'm sure the girls they married don't agree with me at times, and they just be sweet and smile. What I'm trying to say, <laughs> family, it happens in family. So you gotta, but you still got to manage those spaces. I had a, this, let me bring clarity. There was a sweet woman in our church for many years. She ended up moving away after 20-something years being a part of our church who had a son who was an addict whom she loved dearly. I can't tell you the time she came to me and said, I, I love him, but I cannot enable him. Help me. Remind me how to be the best parent to this adult son. I want to love him and give him safety and care, but I don't want to enable him. That's what I'm talking about. you got to set the boundaries. Now, can't live here because you robbed me dry. I'll get a place for you, but you can't live here. Tough love. But you've got to know how to manage those relationships. Some of you have got some co-workers that are zapping the life out of you. There's three kinds of people. There's energy givers, there's energy takers, and there's people you wish you could just get rid of. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there's some people you hang out with them, and when you leave, you're like, man, that's great. That, whew, it's like a breath of fresh air. They're energy givers. They didn't zap it. There's other people, as soon as you get out of the car, the electricity's being pulled out of your body. I don't know anybody like that in my life. Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. But we have to know where to place them. If you get them in the wrong space, they're going to zap the life out of you. But there's some people I can have a relationship with as long as we stay in the certain boundaries. And it, it's a great relationship. I had a friend I grew up with. I know I'm taking some time, but we'll be done in a minute. I had a friend I grew up with. We got saved together, went to Bible school together, got married in the same year or two. He passed away in his early 50s. Ended up divorced, an addict, broken. It was, it was a mess. I had to, at some point, when I felt God's call in my life and the path he had chose, it, it became different. I still loved him, but we were now on two different stratas. I'm not saying you abandon people and reject them and be rude. I'm just saying you've got to know. I, it, and we had to redefine the boundaries in that relationship. And you've got to do that for a healthy you. You have that responsibility. And make sure you don't expect something from the people in your upline that they're not going to be able to give you because you you got to keep that healthy distance so they can speak into your life. I have certain people that are in a space with me and I don't want their phone number. Oh, I just want your phone number. I want your email. No, no, I don't, I don't want it. And I, I want them to be able to speak to me when they know it's God. Because when they talk to me, I'm like, that was God. And I need that in my life and I don't want to mess that up by thinking I got to be buddies with them. I hope y'all are hearing me today. So, so let, me, let me pray for those of you who want healing in all your relational situations. If, if that's you, would you just stand? Just, I want healing in my relationship stuff that's going on. Might be a spouse, might be a coworker, might be your children. D did you know that while you're standing, you can listen, right? Nobody walking, are you? You're not leaving. Don't be going nowhere. You'll miss out what God's about to do. <laughs> Did you know that a, a six-year-old can dominate your life? You've got them in ballet and little league and softball and baseball and football and tennis and swim club and book club, and you are nothing but a run-down Uber that doesn't get paid. And you're running all over God's green earth for a seven-year-old 
Because then I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to be a part of this and I want to be a part of that. And if you got two kids, then you know, hey, well, how's he doing over there? I'm over this. I'll be back in a minute. And I'll be over. And you get home at night and you don't have time to have sex with your husband or spouse. You don't have time to pay your bills. You don't have time to cook a good meal. You're wore out and you're trying to make your kids happy. You need to quit having kids CEO and you need to come to parent again and draw some lines in your relationship. You need to create some boundaries. <laughs> I'm preaching so good. I thought I was done. (laughs) Oh, Janet, I love you. I know she's watching right now. I love you, honey. Amen. All right, you're standing because we want to pray for these relationships. Father, in Jesus' name, we stood in faith and we receive from you right now. Let us take this word and apply it to our life. Let us reread these notes and rethink this through and figure out a plan for the steps that we need to take. Boundaries we need to draw, barriers we need to put up, people we need to realize are mentors. We don't want to mess that up. People that we realize we need to mentor, we don't want to mess that up. People we need to trust, people we don't need to trust. Help us identify our six. Help us know who those two or three are that are really in our inner circle. And let us just be real all the time. Jesus, you were approachable. People knew they could even crawl up to you and touch the hem of your garment and it'd be okay. You were Jesus. We're not. But we are your children. And we do want to live healthy lives. And you have a purpose for each of us that we're to fulfill. It's our responsibility. And we need our relationships to be assets to that and not liabilities to that. I pray this in the name of Jesus over every person on their feet right now. Those watching on a screen somewhere, Lord, you're speaking to them. They sense this. God love you. God bless you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, would everybody stand, please, all over the room? remain still just for a minute because I want to do one more thing and it's the most important thing we do every week and that is invite those of you who have never began a relationship with Jesus making him Lord and leader of your life if you've never accepted him and what he did for you by dying on the cross he paid for our sin we we can't earn salvation Jesus gives it to us but we must receive it. Christmas is coming. You're going to go to somebody's house, hopefully, and there's going to be a gift with your name on it, but it doesn't do any good sitting on the floor under a tree or on a shelf. You've got to receive it so you can open it. Salvation is your free gift, but you've got to accept Jesus. And that's what I want to give you the chance to do right now. So I'm going to pray with you all over this building. If you've never received Jesus, or maybe you need to rededicate, Come back to God. Would you close your eyes with me and let's pray right now. Repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my past. Take away my sin. I invite you into my world to be the Lord and the leader of my life. From this day forward, I'll do my best to serve you and honor you. And fulfill my purpose and help my relationships to be right. In Jesus' name, amen.